this is not my gospel that builds these walls between us, drawing borders that separate, raising flags of supremacy, empires of hate in the name of freedom. This is not my gospel that casts the immigrant out, pulling mother's urgent hands from the cries of their children expelling souls to isolation because of the color of their skin, their sexuality, the gender, the class, the nation they live in. This is not my gospel that spits on the face of God, lashing his image with words of rejection, warmongering, dominating the weak, diminishing salvation to a conditional thing, while hope lies lost and bleeding, weeping for relief. This is not my gospel that turns communities inwards, planting distrust in their hearts towards the beauty of difference, labeling neighbors as enemies and defining us by division. This is not my gospel with its eyes full of pride, when injustice is clothed in lies, when grace is caged, we face the great divide. Humanity displaced from love. My gospel is love, who crossed the chasm between heaven and earth, speaking worth to all in endless benevolence. Love who sat in the dirt with the rejected, erasing their shame with the touch of acceptance who reached for those society deserted, embracing the leper, the filthy, the hurting. Love who clutched the souls of his rivals in nail-pierced hands, holding them free from hell's vicious venom, declaring them brother, sister, cherished, forgiven. Love who tore the temple veil, divine grasping flesh, flesh clutching divine, crying, you are mine. Precious mankind, awake from your slumber and open your eyes to love. Who walked through the walls, crossing the divide with burning passion, calling for those who have lost their place, breaking tomb after tomb after tomb to reveal a world of eternal embrace. This is my gospel. This is the cry heard in the night of unrest clutched close to heartbroken chests, crying, reach for me, reach past the borders, reach to the wounds that have torn us apart, plant seeds of compassion where malice has grown, throw your arms open and welcome the forsaken home, break down the walls that hate has raised, turn your eyes to the face of the shame, then realize that it is mine. It is yours, we are one reborn and remade. Let the stars fall, let mercy cascade, let the heavens pour, I gave you my all. I will give it again and again and again. I throw down my kingship, I throw down my fame to be with you in the rejection, to hold you in the pain. You are not the outsider, nor a child of shame. Let the depths proclaim to the heights above that you are loved. It's been a few weeks or maybe even a couple of months ago since we showed you that video 
and I felt led to share that with you again this morning. And I want to tell you that there is a lot of unity talk that's going on. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. that. That's good, and it's great to hear that. But can I tell you this? And I know that this can be taken out of context, but it shouldn't be. It's only possible to love everybody unconditionally through Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to tell you right now, before we read the Scriptures, before we read the Scriptures, we need to understand this. And that is that after... After all the marching is done, all the protesting is done, all the rioting is done, and all the people talk about, we've got to be one, we've got to come together, we've got to be, this is not the way our country is. And all the positive talk that you hear, we, we've got to look past race, religion, and uh, all the other things that the world is promoting right now until, and so you think that change has really happened. By the way, what I want to know, I'm not against peaceful protests and all these things, but my question is right now, what is the end, what will be the indication that you got what you are marching for? Is it, is it a law being passed, somebody being punished, or somebody apologizing? What's the indicator? Uh, because I, I don't know what that is. I, I, I haven't heard anybody say. We're just waiting to see if they'll pass Bill 10652 in Congress or if the president will do this or if we'll get more money or if police officers will or won't. I, I don't know what the indication's going to be that people are looking for to be satisfied uh, where they don't feel like they've got to tear stuff up or protest or march and all that. Because all of this is good, and we're making great TV commercials, and these anointed movie stars, <clears throat> and all the other people that are trying to be champions of peace and all, all of this is good until the next no-no happens, and then you're going to see how much change really takes place. Because if, if real change is what all of the people are about, then the next time something one man or one woman or one person or group does, it won't ignite all this again. Because, see, even you will change. You won't throw bricks through windows anymore. You won't say bad words. You won't do all this. Well, yeah, well, that's no, because, see, it, it, we're talking about a double standard. And that's why I say only the people of God can, can love unconditionally. Only Jesus Christ, that video you just watched over three minutes long, the only people that can really love all of those types of people are Jesus, are people that's familiar with the cross, and you've been to the cross, and, and, and you know, this is, this is not a, a well-received uh, opening statement, and I get it, but it is the truth, because our compassion Without Jesus is only good until the next infraction. Amen?
That's it. It's only good until then. Somebody can tell you I'm sorry today. And you can go out and eat together and sit six feet apart. But if that same person that you're all chummy with today does it again tomorrow, then it's going to be Katie bar the door. And the gloves will be off again. So, you know, this was good for this. This is good for this time. And so the only thing that's, that's eternal and permanent is what's done through Christ. And now that's when you want to get your Bible and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'm giving you a minute, not quite a minute, to get your Bible because you need to get used to this. I don't always know that the Bible app will be available on a smart device or a computer. You got to be kidding me. No, I'm not. You can't hide. You can't go off the grid. You can't. You can't. I'm sorry, folks. And everything is being controlled. Everything's being controlled. I asked somebody this week, and I, I'm really I'm, I'm going to read right now. But I said, now, people that are out here looting and rioting and, and even protesting, when I saw that, and it, and it was like a confirmation but when I saw on the streets a pallet of perfect bricks like they had just come from the building supply store and all that, I said, no thug or no group, they, took the, they have not taken the time to go get a pallet nicely packed straight and put it there. There is so much going on that you are not privy to in the news and you're, you're not going to be. And, and it, just, it just really, it really hit me that, that this thing is so much bigger than, than even what is saturating every news outlet. Every, it, it's so much bigger. And, and it's being controlled, it's being manipulated, and, 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 and there's so many things that people will say and do and then they won't say and do other things, and you know, here I'm, I'm like soapboxing now, so I'm, I'm already tired of myself, so if you just logged off, I understand. But I want to read Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and you can turn on your phone, but my whole point was that one day the Bible may not be available on a device, so keep your Bible handy because, you know, People are being shut up and censored and all that right now unless you use foul language or you're, you're saying the, the, the current buzzwords. Paul, in verse 1, Silvanius and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you. Now he's talking to the church in Thessalonica, okay? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just hold a minute, God. Because I've already rambled and I've already almost got off of what I'm really sent here to do today. Forgive me, Lord, and help me to stay focused on your word and what you've been dealing with me about this week. And help me to know that this is an appointed time and help me to preach only what you want preached. And help us all to hear and receive it. In Jesus' name, help me not to distract or be distracted and everyone that's a part of this, in your name we pray, amen. 
Now, Paul goes on to say to the church there, he said, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and tribulation that you endure. I, I want to just stop right there because um, if, if we're going to have a reputation here at Multitudes, those of you that are with me, with us today, if, if we're going to have a reputation, I, I pray to God that we could have, there, there's two reputations given in, in just those two, those two verses right there. One being, Paul said, man, you've got a reputation of having a faith that is not dead, that is not fearful, but a faith that is always growing, he said. And it, he used the word, your faith is growing exceedingly. And he also noted, and I love this, you've got to catch the little words that are, that are embedded in scriptures, how he said, in your faith, all of you, all of you have love toward one another. He said, every one of you, you have love toward one another. And that's a good percentage there. That's like 100% if it's all. Everybody. And Paul was so impacted by this that he included this. Because, see, most churches bicker and they fight over very important things like how money's spent and pews. and They don't never fight over winning souls. Have you ever noticed that? Never fight over if we baptized 108 last month or if we really baptized 110. People always fight and have a voice over money and other things that are not eternal. Paul said these people didn't do that. These people had a faith that, that kept growing exceedingly. This was their spiritual reputation. Their faith growed exceedingly all the time. And also that they had a love, every one of them. You want to see revival? Y'all want to see revival in this church? You want to see revival in our whole community? Let's love each other equally. And I don't mean this social, this politically correct love that you're hearing that's only good until you do something wrong or say something about me or who do me. No, I'm talking about this, the cross of Jesus' love. If you want to see the power of God, you love all people inside of your fellowship equally, and you watch what God does. And so they had a spiritual reputation of a growing faith and a love for everybody. But now they had a social reputation that Paul talked to all the other churches about, and that was their patience and their faith during persecution, during tribulation, and all the trials that they were facing. They had a spiritual reputation, and they had a social reputation. It doesn't get any better than that, folks. And, and I don't know what you've been up to the past three months, but I really hope, better than finding out where bread and toilet paper and all this is, you, you found a love for the Scriptures and to hear God and a hunger and thirst for righteousness, for revival one more time before it's too late. And when we establish this as a, a new mandate for our church, this is how we're going to be, 
you won't have to invite. We won't have to send out texts. We won't have to do ads on Facebook and all that. People will want to be a part of something that they've never seen or felt or experienced before. When people start loving and we have patience through everything and we praise God in anything, then that's infectious and people are dying to get a hold of that. He said, by the way, verse 5, and, and all of this is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy. He's talking to the church. This is a big doctrinal issue for a lot of people because it's just point blank. Paul makes it clear. You don't have a, a pass $200 and you go and then you don't worry about anything else. He's telling the people right here. He said, hey, you want to make sure you're doing this, you're living this. This is your reputation because you want to be counted worthy by God of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. There's a lot of suffering going on and everybody has suffered at some level, no doubt. But he said, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay... Are y'all with me? Are you? I don't know. Are y'all with me? Are y'all out there with me? Just send a message and say, yes, hallelujah. Don't spell, you won't spell hallelujah. It'll spell check. Say amen. Say yes. I'm with you. Because this is important right here. It's a righteous thing, verse 6, with God to repay with tribulation. The people that trouble you. Now, there's going to be, Jesus said in this world, in John 16, he said, listen, quoted all the time, be of good cheer, uh, you know, in the world there's tribulation, but I've overcome the world. That's what he said. He said, so be of good cheer because I've overcome. So we know automatically out of the gate there's tribulation in the world. But there's another kind of tribulation that God's responsible for. And that's people that do you wrong. Don't raise your hand because you don't have to today. I know every person in this building and those of you that are watching, you've been suffering persecution at some point in your life, you've gone through some amount of tribulation. You've been looked over or people have underrated you or said something falsely about you or maybe even through all this, you, you, you've suffered some kind of tribulation. But God says this. I preached a, a week or two on a Wednesday night about justice and a covenant. But here we're talking about the vengeance of God, which I'll get to in a minute. This is why God said it's better when somebody offends you. Somebody offends you. He said it's better that they physically go get a millstone, which is a big rock that's flat like a tire with a hole in it, a millstone. He said, and that they run a rope through it and tie it around their neck, and they go jump in the deep part of the ocean. He said it's better for somebody to do that than to offend one of my little ones. Why is that? Because he said this right here in verse 6. He says, it's a righteous thing. God looks at it as righteousness when he throws tribulation or allows people to walk in more tribulation because they've offended one of his children or brought persecution. So what am I saying real quick? I'm telling you, 
Don't you worry about what you're going through with right now. Don't you worry about what you're suffering through right this moment. It doesn't matter. Your God is keeping a record of it. It doesn't matter if people are, you know, trying to stereotype Christians that we're all bigot or we're racist or we don't, we don't care, you know. We only love a certain type of people. All of this is thoughts of hell that come out of people's mouth. They're, they don't even know where it comes from. They are just instruments, but you don't need to worry about it. We need to pray for people that despitefully use us and say all manner of evil against us because God has got your back. In verse 7, he says, and to give you who are troubled rest with us. He's talking about himself and all the prophets and apostles of old. He said, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angel, he said, so listen, this is where you want to be. You want to be in a place where when the time comes, you can have rest until the second coming of the Lord, not the rapture of the church, but the second coming when the Lord comes back with his angels, and with a mighty army from heaven, which I'm going to be in, by the way. I hope you are in. He says, we want to be able to do something now where we can enter into rest while people are suffering. And while all the trumpets are being sounded, as we're told in Revelation, and, and all the vials are being poured out, he said, we want to find rest with all those those great cloud of witnesses that's gone on before us. We want to find rest so that when the Lord comes back, we can be with him in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, first of all. He could have stopped right there, but Paul went on to say, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop. Problem. We got a problem right there. Did y'all feel it? Did you read it? Did you run into it? Did you sense it? We have a problem right there. Why did he put the word and there? Now, somebody's got a, an answer that's not right. Somebody's got something that they've worked on over the years, and it's, there's an explanation because that scripture does not coincide with their church doctrine. So they had to manipulate it and get it to where it would fit. If people were to ever run across and read it. Well, you ran across and read it or you heard it today. Two groups of people are identified here. The first group being those who do not know God. So, I'm going to ask those of you here, those of you there. If the first group of people is those that don't know good, what would you just think, just being way out there, the other group of people would be? Wouldn't you think it would be the people that do know God? I would. He says this. He said he's going to take vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't say he was going to throw them into hell, but I, I did read with you that he's going to take vengeance on people that don't obey. Over there, I was praying about people that live under a curse as opposed to people that live uh, blessed by God that, that tithe. And this is carried out through Scripture because you cannot get around obeying only certain parts of the Bible. It wasn't written and it wasn't given to us for us to pick and choose what feels good and we want to obey. That's why there's no power in the church anymore. People only want to embrace what is politically correct, 
what won't get them in trouble, what won't empty out their church and empty out their bank account. That's where we are, folks. And now that everybody's jumped on the bandwagon to make everybody feel good during the COVID and now all this crisis with this this murder of this man, it's becoming heightened. And I've, I've caught it this week. It's okay to be the sounding voice of God and encourage people. I'm beginning to repeat myself a lot, and I realize I am. But I want the pastors to understand, you have not been called by God to be an activist for anything in this world but the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not called to be a political peacemaker, or a community peace. You are called to be a Jesus peacemaker. And when you are a Jesus peacemaker, sometimes people don't want that peace, and they're going to throw rocks at you, or they're going to hang you on a cross. And we've got to watch out. We cannot get so indoctrinated by the world that we don't want to be an outcast or we don't want to stand out like a sore thumb or stick out like a sore thumb and 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 people well we're saying all the right he must be a good preacher and, all. and I don't mean you got to come up here every week and preach hell fire and brimstone we can be compassionate to the needs of our nation right now and the people and what people are suffering with and people can't get because a lot of people are treated unjustly Because they are black. But there's also a lot of people treated unjustly because they are white. And because they are Mexican. And because they are Japanese. Or because they are part of a a mixed community. Or because they are this or that. A lot of people are treated wrong because of the color of their skin. That's never changed since this book was written right here. So I want to tell you today, we've got to be what the Bible says to be. What did Jesus tell us to be? He told us, listen to me. He said for us to be salt and to be light. You know what I love about those two terms that Jesus put in there? I love it because the Lord said, the Lord said this right here. He said that when, when we are salt and light, salt does this. And if it loses this ability, it's no good. You know, salt does a lot of things. Number one, it enhances food. I believe you can enhance the environment you're in. I believe while people are saying all kind of things, just repeat news that's probably a lie anyway, or, or it's been manipulated to, to cause people to only feel one way about things. I, I believe you can come in and provide some salt on, with the Word of God And you can change it. But see, none of this stuff is going to last. It's all going to die one day. And so I want you to know this right here, that salt not only enhances, but I got to cut on my finger right there because I touched a hot part of a lawnmower the other day. And before I knew it, it put this gaping, uh, well, it ain't gaping. See, that's a man now. A woman wouldn't have called that gaping. A woman would have called that a nick. But you know how we are. We, 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 it's like a fish story, you know. And do you know, without even thinking about that, later on that day, here we go. I put some hand sanitizer on my hand, 
and it was fine when I was doing this. But when I flipped it over and rubbed right there, this old preacher woke up quick because the alcohol in that sanitized, uh, that sanitized bottle I was using, it made contact with that. That's the same way salt does. Don't pour salt on a wound, you heard, because it, it will heal, but it will wake you up too. And Jesus said this. He says, we are called to be something that enhances, but we are also something that we, we are a purifying, we, we are an agent that, 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 that irritates sometimes. And just like salt on this wound, it would irritate it. And, and, and we become irritable in the ears and the eyes and the opinions of the world. But you don't change the message, sir, because the world no longer has any use for your message. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but not my word. That's why the world doesn't want anything to do. And maybe that's why God, through the Holy Ghost, had me to tell you one day you may not have the Bible app on your phone. They may zap that off of there. Oh, they'll never do that. Oh, we never thought that they would have money that you could buy with a chip in your hand 50 years ago, did we? Or buy it with your telephone. Telephone. That's the same thing as a cell phone for any of you who don't know what a telephone is. It's a cell phone. A lot of things. The Lord says, you know, you just need to be about my business. You need to do what I, I'm telling you to do because of this right here. He said, I'm going to handle people. He said, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction. These people that cause us to suffer. These people that cause uh, things to happen to you that, that, that's completely unnecessary. He said, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You know what hell is. Hell is not what everybody thinks it is. We think that hell is just hot. And it is hot. There's flames. The Bible talks about it. We know that there's an unquenchable thirst that all who goes there will have forever. It never, it won't end in a hundred or a million years. We know that. But the real horror of hell is not being thirsty forever, not being alone, not being hot, not being tormented. The real horror of hell is the fact that you will always be away and never able to be a part of the presence of the Lord again or the glory of His power. You'll never be able to know God or anything about God in any way, shape, or form. Friends, this is why I need to probably stop right now and say, if you're not a Christian, we don't even need to wait until I get through. You need to say, Lord, I cannot make that that risk. I will not take that chance with my soul. I will not play roulette with my soul. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I no longer want to take a chance with my last breath. I want you to have my every breath because if I take a chance with my last breath, I could wind up in this place this man's telling me about. The Bible says if you mean that when you pray it, he's faithful and just. He's willing to forgive you and cleanse you from all sin and unrighteousness. It says, you'll be apart from him if you don't, though. Everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and his power. And verse 10 says, when he comes in that day to be glorified with his saints, what I was talking about a while ago, and to be admired among all those who believe, 
Because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. What? To be salt and light? To have a growing faith and love for each other? To have patience and faith in tribulations and to always be willing just to turn the other cheek, suffer, because you know God is going to bring it out, buddy, when the time comes. He says, you want to be faithful. And two times in that one chapter, I hope you realize this, verse 5 and then verse 11, I believe God says it two times. And this is important, folks. He used the phrase, be counted worthy. Well, I thought when I was saved, I was, look, there is none righteous, no, not one. Let's get that out of the way first. There's none righteous, not one. That's what the Bible teaches us. But when you are saved, folks, you cannot treat it like you just joined the Rotary Club or the pilot club, or the Civitans, and the Optimus Club, or, or, or the Red Hat. What all, all the, nothing wrong. We have people in our church that are a part of that. I'm not talking about. But what I'm talking about is completely different. I'm talking about right here that when you become a child of God, things have to change. And things will change if you go to the real cross, to the real Calvary, and you accept the real Jesus, not this fake one everybody's offering right now. If you are saved by amazing grace, it's going to change because you're no longer the same person. I said it a week ago. I'm going to say this again. When you get saved, you're no longer white ever again. You're no longer black ever again. You're no longer of Irish descent ever again. Your daddy never was a shoemaker, a sharecropper, a textile worker, or a farmer, or a slave, or a railroad worker, or anything else. Old things are passed away. You are a brand new creature in Christ, and you're not of this world anymore. If I didn't call out the occupation or the ethnic group, and you're upset, you haven't embraced what I'm talking about. You've got to quit being carnal, folks, if you're going to experience this growing faith. This loving all, if you're going to experience this patience and faith in tribulation. And God tells us two times, within 12 verses, really within 11 verses, He tells us that we want to make sure that, that the Lord God Himself finds us worthy of the calling and worthy of what He wants to do. And I, 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 want, to, I want to close in telling you this. You might say, well, Opie, it's bad. I'm hearing all kinds of things about to happen. I'm hearing all kinds of things happening. Could happen in Lernberg. We were worried yesterday about possibility of a riot and all this with uh, the service in Hope County. We were worried. You know, you hear all of these things, people worked up. And I just, I, I can pray more and I can read my Bible. I've already told you. But I, I'm going to tell you again, 
in the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 21. This is what Paul said. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome. Do you know what that word means, overcome? Overcome, if you were to look it up in the Greek dictionary, that particular meaning, it, it, it would mean it, it would mean something that, that you can't imagine. You might think you know what it means, but I'm, I'm going to talk you through it while you see it for yourself. The definition of overcome is to conquer or to carry off the victory, to come off victorious. You can read the rest of that. But what Paul was telling me and you in this 21st verse, he was saying, listen, do not let evil come off with the victory anymore. Don't let evil continue to come off victorious. And folks, I'm sorry, but in the United States of America, it looks to me, and you can label it any way you want to, but it looks like evil is coming off victorious because the White House don't know what to do about it. The state we live in and about every other state doesn't know what to do with it. Everybody is just trying to say something to calm it down or get rid of it. People are scared to do their jobs and then they're told in some cases don't enforce the law because it could escalate. And it seems like evil is carrying off the victory, and it's enough to cause anybody to just be so frustrated to have the attitude, well, if I can't beat them, I'm going to join them. But I'm going to tell you, this is not what my God instructed us to do and your God instructed you to do. Our God said this, don't be overcome with it. Don't let it carry it off in your life. Don't you become part of the crowd. Don't you become part of the, the problem. Don't you become part of the sin that's taking a place. He says, instead of letting it carry off all of the victory and it's getting all the airtime, let the body of Christ, the people of God, let us overcome the evil with God. And God is telling us today, overcome evil overcome evil and every time you look at the word evil if you'll notice evil is so small evil is small but God and it starts out small when you overcome because I don't know I might get beat I might get fired I might get my house shot at but we've got to overcome evil you do it one time, then you wake up, you get around somebody else, and they're trying to navigate. They're trying to navigate the victory. They're trying to turn this thing political, or they're trying to turn it toward a group or against an incident or something like this. Nope, you just overcome evil with good. You overcome again. So you show up today, you get on the phone, you're on the Internet, you overcome, don't buy into it. Overcome evil. Overcome evil overcome evil and by the way when you get through overcoming evil everybody around you including you will be a lot better off 
Because you did what the Lord said to do. And when you do what the Lord says to do, you are going to win and don't spend an ounce of time worrying about them, the world, the people, the government, authorities that will lock you up. Don't worry about it. God said don't give a thought for your life. And we are in that day and time. And again, I'm telling you, I've got to close here, but we are in preparation mode. We're in preparation mode. We are preparing to go meet the Lord. We are preparing to finish our course, complete our work here. We want to hear him say, well done. You did it. You knocked everything off the list. That's what we are gunning for, folks. We are aiming to hear him say this. And we cannot be like the world and hear those words. We're going to have to be like the church. And when we're like the church, the world will start watching. The world don't pay any attention to the church anymore. But I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost makes himself known and manifests himself through the church one more time, people will turn off the news. They'll turn off Facebook. They'll turn off every social media outlet. They'll get out of rioting lines and protest lines. They'll put down posters to come see the real power of God. And it's still available, but we've got to be the people that love so God can do this one more time. I want you to pray. we got to pray. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning because you said we could. We come to you today, Lord, because you are our source. You are our healer. God, we have no outlet but you. And God, we know that you want to move in a great mighty way in these last days. But we've got to realize, Lord, we've got to stop and realize we can't walk back in this church the way we left out three months ago. we got to come in if people call us holy rollers or we're fools or whatever. We've got to come in pumped up with Jesus on our mind and his praise on our lips and watch the glory fall. God, this is not a museum. We can't treat it like that. We can't come watch the cute show anymore. We've got to come in with our game face on and we've got to live what we claim to have in our heart outside these four walls. Father, I pray. I pray in the name of Jesus for every person, Lord, to be liberated today. Not because the law was passed, but because you finally obeyed the law of laws. You did what God said, what thus saith the Lord. And you felt change. You experienced change. You were part of change. And you brought about change because you let your light so shine. And people saw it. God, that's where the church has to get to right now. Or this evil could continue in this victory that we are watching unfold every day. So, Lord, you give us your word today. We can give it a thumbs up or a heart and keep on reading and scrolling and not let it affect us. But we have been told. We have been told. So I pray, God, that it would fall deep in the soil of my heart. And everything you do, Lord, I'll praise you in Jesus' name.